0: So my name is Bethan German Merkel and I am a science writer and illustrator and my specialty is in ecology and sustainability sorts of topics. Mm-hmm. And I'm at Impala working on a writing an illustration project about the ecologically true story of tortoises and hares. Basically my, my trip out here, this round is mostly a prospecting trip. I've had this idea for a couple of years that tortoises and hares coexist in deserts pretty much everywhere in the world that I've checked, and so there's got to be something to this fable that's grounded in ecology, Aesop's fable about the race between the tortoise and the hare. There's two things that are kind of interesting. Hares aren't very well studied anywhere in the world for all kinds of reasons. Mm. Sometimes it's a total lack of interest, sometimes it's because they're really hard to get a hold of. Jake said he tried to live trap them out here and couldn't even get them into traps. Not necessarily because they're wily, but there's so much to eat out here that there was no incentive for them. And it's not like you could net them like you could a dick dick or something. So there's the difficulty of studying them. And then tortoises in a lot of areas are declining, like seriously declining. And so there's some ecological incentives. There's also a a pretty interesting biodiversity of tortoises across the world and hares across the world. They're kind of common animals in the environments that they're in. And and I don't think people get that excited about them. And, And this fable is very well known all around the world. People have an iteration of it. And so my trip out here is mostly to see if there's anything here to make a story out of. And the, the overarching idea is that because this fable is so well known, it might be a really effective portal for getting people interested in biodiversity of animals that aren't super charismatic like lions, you know, megafauna like that. And so I'm the intent is to compare at least three different ecosystems where these animals coexist here in East Africa the American Southwest, and ideally in the Mediterranean. The desert region's kind of exactly rimming the Mediterranean. There's uh, some tortoises that are super, super threatened, and then hunting hares is really common, in contrast to here in Kenya where absolutely nothing is allowed to be hunted and the species seem to be doing fairly well and so on. And so what that's meant here in Kenya is looking for tortoises and this is a great time of year rainy season's a great time of year to go looking for tortoises really the only time of year
1: you should mention about how the fable has a lot of anthropomorphizing the the two animals and a bunch of other issues that telling the ecologically true story is very important for society to understand what animals are and what kind of ecosystems they live in and then You've been able to go around the world and look at you know a half a dozen different ecosystems and explain the story of those ecosystems to people that maybe have never been there.
0: Part of where this whole idea came from is their body of studies, not all by the same people, that's investigating the effect of anthropomorphized animals in children's books on adult and children's understanding of ecological systems and motives of animals. And the bottom line that is apparently unanimous across all these studies is that animals that behave like humans, they talk, they walk upright, they wear clothes, they have human emotions, confuse the heck out of readers over time, or possibly even just once. Particularly children, but also adults can, depending on how much adults understand about ecology, they can inadvertently facilitate a lot of misconceptions conceptions being transferred to children by reading these stories stuff i mean anything like the bernstein bear or whatever so as an example with the tortoise and hare story if you are familiar with the ecology of these animals you're going to interpret that i think in a little bit more literal way you're going to do what i did when i realized that they lived in the same ecosystem and you're going to start thinking about the possibility of them overlapping spatially or maybe eating the same stuff or things like that. But if you are telling or reading that story and there's a ridiculous number of versions of this illustrated as children's books that you can bring into a classroom or read to your kid at home or whatever, and it's being taught only as a fable. And so what you're going to learn is that being proud and greedy and boastful is bad. You're going to learn that being deliberate resourceful, persistent, clever, is good, the hare versus the tortoise, as a child being presented that story, and then, say, being asked about an ecosystem situation, would completely tangle up why those animals behave the way they do.
1: I think that I am even a a culprit in that misunderstanding, because... When, when I was growing up, but I read a lot of stories that were with anthropomorphized animals, especially this one series called Redwall, where it's all anthropomorphized, like, rodents. And, uh, and, I haven't and, heard of this well, one. And it's, it has really strong, uh, like, I think, Christian moral overtones. Okay. Um, so I got this idea that sort of ingrained in the baseline of my brain that, like, certain animals were not so upstanding, and some of them were. Sure, sure. And, and that was one of the things that I struggled with when I first started um working out here as an undergrad and then as a grad student was that I was studying issues like biological invasion and mutualism where I villainized the species that were coming in as invaders and I thought of the, the native species as, like, these... The you good know, guys. Upstanding, yeah. yeah, like, you yeah. know, the, the resistance or whatever. And then um, and then I found that that's, you know, it's never as cut and dry as, as that and that invasions are much more complicated than I thought and that in mutualisms, the cheaters sometimes win. There were all of these uh, details in species interactions that I just, like, thought weren't there because I assumed that human moral structure was, like, applied to those interactions. This clip is a small part of Episode 1 from the Ecotones Podcast, produced by SavannahEcology.com. If you like what you hear, you can listen to the full podcast by searching for the Ecotones Podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud, following us on Twitter, at SavannahEcology, or by checking out our website at SavannahEcology.com. That's S-A-V-A-N-N-A-E-C-O-L-O-G-Y. Podcasts are released on a semi-weekly basis and take a casual look at what it's like to live at a biological research station. Discoveries, eureka moments, vehicle breakdowns, wildlife sightings. We talk about everything, and take some time to listen to some awesome music, too.